I want to bring my final message on this great text of Scripture, Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 14. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 14. We saw this morning that this verse is an inquiry. Elisha inquires after the Lord God of Elijah. Every believer should be inquiring after the Lord. Then we saw that this verse is an affirmation. He couldn't have said, where is the Lord God of Elijah, if he hadn't have believed that Elijah's God lived. Praise God we can make this affirmation tonight. That our God is the living God. He lives. Thank God Jesus lives. We're not worshiping a crucifix tonight. Praise God we behold the risen Savior. Then this verse is a prayer. And when we're faced with difficulty, and as I face the problems of the seventh day, and as a preacher, I face the tremendous enmity that's opposing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would pray this prayer. Oh, where is the Lord God of Elijah? But this verse is also a challenge. We can challenge the obstacles. We can challenge those, humanly speaking, insurmountable difficulties, and we can challenge them with the Lord God of Elijah. God is evil for this day. God is El Shaddai, the one who is all-sufficient. So let us not be downhearted. Let us not be in despair. Let us not think that the battle is lost. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give us the victory. And the harder the battle, and the tougher the struggle, and the more deadly the onslaught, praise God, the greater the victory. So you should thank God when the battle's tough, and when the passage is rough, and when the storms are raging, and the devil's howling. We praise God there's going to be a great hallelujah at the end of the day when we shout the victory as the people of God. I spoke this afternoon with emphasis on Elijah. He's the Lord God of Elijah. In my final message, I want to emphasize that he's the Lord God. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? What was Elijah's God like? What did Elijah's God do? Who is this glorious God that Elijah trusted in? First of all, he's a God 
who kept his man faithful, though the whole nation went apostate. He kept one man in the midst of the nation true to God. You know, sometimes I tremble when I think of the forces that are opposed to a faithful minister. You know, it's very easy to compromise. It's very easy for the preacher to say, well, I'll not preach on that subject, for it might hurt too many people. It's very easy for the preacher to get the congregation in his mind, I'm not the Lord in his mind. I have a deputation after deputation visit me during my ministry with all sorts of suggestions. I remember once after a prayer meeting, Two men who were members of the church came to see me, and they said, we would like a little word with you. I said, all right, you weren't in the prayer meeting. Oh, no, we were praying outside. And when you get fellas praying outside, open both your eyes, for you could see that they were in league with the devil, and they can't pray with the rest of the church. And they came in and they said, you know, Mr. Paisley, you're married now. I said, what's that got to do with it? I hope you're not interested in my wife. <laughs> and uh, they said, you've got a family. I said, what's that to do with it? Well, they said, you know, your, your ministry should soften up a little now. You should remember you have home responsibilities. And we feel that if you would just be a little easier on the modernists, and don't go to the Pope about against the Pope too hard. And watch the Irish Presbyterian Church. Don't rub them the wrong way. You would do a lot better. And then one of them opened the Bible and said, I want to quote Scripture. Says, I, you're like the devil. You misquote Scripture. And I opened the door and I said, you two men get through that door or I'll assist you to get through it. And I said, get out and stay out. I want to tell you, friend, that God needs to keep us faithful. And if you're faithful to God, God will bless you. And he has blessed this church of ours. And if we had been more faithful, he would have blessed us ten thousand times more. May God keep us faithful. Thank God God can keep us faithful. When every other church when every other person turns round and goes down the road of compromise, God's able to keep his people. The God of Elijah. I, only I, am left. He was the only prophet in the battle. You know, it was an evil day, the day in which Enoch lived. But God kept Enoch faithful. It was a filthy day, the day of Noah. And you know, this is a filthy age that we're living in. Mr. Wiley gave me a copy of a paper. It's the uh, organ of the student body in the new university. It's filled with four-lettered words and some of the vilest things you ever read. That's what the students are putting out. That's the sewer-like brains of the modern intellectuals, so-called. This is a filthy age. But God can keep us clean in this age. Hallelujah. God can preserve us. It was a terrible day 
the day when Joseph was alone in Egypt. But God kept Joseph true. And God can keep us in the Egypt of this world upright for his name. It was an evil day when Luther took up the battle against the Pope. And when the Pope said, I'll crush that German swine, but God made him the monk that shook the world. I got a copy the other day in Smithfield of a book by the Catholic Christ Society on Luther. And my, they're against Luther to this day. Have you read that book? You know what I said? I said, Lord, I hope when I'm 400 years dead, if you haven't come, that the old Pope will hate me the way he still hates Luther. My, thank God for a man who's still riling the Antichrist and he's dead 400 years. God kept them faithful. And in that evil Victorian London, with a veneer of Christianity, God sent the boy preacher from the fans, C.H. Spurgeon, and God kept Spurgeon true to himself to the very end of his ministry. Amidst all the men that fell, God kept his hand upon that faithful preacher. Who is the Lord God of Elijah? He's the God that can keep us faithful when all the nation goes astray. He's the God who can provide for us when all the nation is starving. You know, there's a starvation abroad in the nation. It's a famine for the Word of God. Do you know there's not the great preachers today that there used to be? Do you know that? I remember when I was a boy going to meetings with my father and convention meetings, and there were old-fashioned preachers that could preach the book. There's not many preachers today. Oh, there's fellows that can read essays, and there's experts in homiletics and hermeneutics, but there's not many old-fashioned blood-and-thunder preachers. God send us more of them. Thank God we've got some of them in the free church. My, I'm telling you, when I even foster nearly broke that desk today, I said, hallelujah. Thank God for a fellow that can make the pulpit a throne and preach from it. We need preachers in this life. Not a lot of ecclesiastical dummies, and the only good they are is to decorate between the daffodils on Sunday morning. We don't want people like that. We want people, not preachers that'll soft pedal cream puff pie preachers. We want man who can produce the brimstone and trickle. Say amen. We want the all-time preaching, don't we? And friend, I want to tell you that God provided for Elijah when the nation starved. When the other preachers were depending on Jezebel's annuities. And in the orphan society, praise God, God looked after Elijah. My friend, God will look after you if you're a separatist. You needn't worry about the old age pension. You may, may never live to be eligible for it anyway. So why worry about it? And when you die, there'll be enough money to bury you. And if you haven't enough to bury you, Harold Wilson will see that you're put under, all right. 
So you needn't worry about it. Oh, let me tell you, friend, God provided for Elijah when the nation starved. Sent them down to the brook. And he had flesh and bread in the morning and flesh and bread in the evening. He had a good breakfast and a good supper, and he drank of the water of the brook. But you know, one day Elijah discovered that the brook was running dry. And you know, God takes away sources of strength from us so that we'll depend on the Lord. I have a good man in my church that I depended on. But God took them away by death. And the brook ran low, and I used to say, when that dear man goes, what will we do as a church? But friend, God never ceases to provide. And when the brook ran low, he went away up and dried up. He went to the widow, and she had a barrel of meal with a little handful in it, and a cruise of oil with a little drop in it. And that barrel of meal, it didn't fail. Now the cruise of oil didn't fail. God provided for a servant. Who is this God of Elijah? He's a God of all provision. He'll provide for us. He provides for us in our building fund in our church. You know, some weeks I tremble and I say, well, we might have 50 pounds this week. But God puts it over the 600 and the 700. He does it every week, you know. It's a miracle. I want to tell you, Elijah's God is with us. He's with us. He's looking after us. He's talking to a dear man the other day, and he said he was sitting beside a man in the church the other Sunday, and he said, hello, where are you from? Well, he says, I'm from the Church of Ireland. But he says, I come here on Sunday nights. And he says, every time I come into this church, I laugh. See, why do you laugh? Well, he says, my minister, he came up to see me. And he said, you know, Paisley's building a big church up the Ravenhill Road. He's a fool. He might have a crowd in the Ulster Hall, but when he gets that church built, it'll be empty on a Sunday night. And he says, I sit here and I laugh as they carry in the chairs. And he said, oh boy, if you saw many go to our church on Sunday night, you couldn't see them. And he says, I really laugh at that old minister. Trouble is, with our church, it's too small. We hadn't enough faith. That's our trouble. God's rebuking us. I'm glad Brother Foster is building a church that'll seat a thousand. My, when the people catch on these old apostates, as they're catching them on, you'll need every seat, brother. You'll need it all. There's going to be a great deliverance in this land. God's going to turn this land back to God. And God will provide for us. Provide for us. I remember reading a great book by T.T. Shields called The Plot, The Field. And T.T. Shields had seven millionaires in this church. And one week, they all left. And the preacher preached the next Sunday upon one millionaire that hasn't left Jarvis Street Baptist Church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God there's one who stays with us.
and the silver and the gold are his and the cattle in a thousand hills. I always used to wonder why it said the cattle in a thousand hills. That was to show you what God thought of the silver and the gold. He lets the oxen trample on it. That's what he thinks about it. He has so much of it. Don't you worry yourself, friend. God will provide. I'm glad of that. Man came to me the other day in the city hall, and he said, Ian, when you die, what's going to happen? <laughs> I said, when Moses died, God had a Joshua to bring them into the promised land. And I said, God will provide a preacher for the church when I die. But I said, I want to tell you something. I have no notion of dying. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. God will provide. And you know, when God provides, he does it far better. Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah because he had a double portion. God always doubles up the blessing. I'll tell you what the God of Elijah, who the God of Elijah is. He's not only the God that keeps you faithful when the whole world goes apostate. He's not only the God that will provide for you when the whole nation starves. He's the God that raises the dead. Hallelujah. Raise the dead, this God of ours. I have seen dead men rise from the pit of their sins under the preaching of the gospel. I have seen hardened sinners break the tombstone and rise to walk in newness of life. And he's a God that raises the dead. Do you remember the day you were dead in trespasses and in sins and you heard the gospel? Something happened. Life conquered death. And you walked out to enjoy the blessing of heaven. And some of you were in an old dead morgue, weren't you? A world council church. And it was as cold as the Arctic. And there was a snowman in the pulpit. And you were freezing every Sunday. And one day, God you got you out of the dead house, didn't you? Yes. The dear woman came to our church. She was persuaded by her friend to come one Sunday. She was an Irish Presbyterian. One of these very good ones. Well saved in a good true blue. But she was in a dead church. And she came. And of course, when she came in, she never heard such singing. I don't know whether it was in tune or out of tune or whether it was any tune at all, but my, the people were singing. And she got taken up with the singing. And then when the congregation read the word, as we read it alternatively, she never saw the like of it in church in her life. And when the preacher preached without a manuscript, my, she said, this is a strange church. And when the appeal was made and sinners got saved, she thought it was wonderful. And going out, she said to her friend, she said, I thought my church was alive, but she says it's a dead house compared to this place. I'm leaving. I'm coming here all the time. And she's coming ever since. My God is a God that raises the dead.
He raises the dead. Where is this Lord God of Elijah? He's the God that raises the dead. You know what we need in this land of ours? We need resurrections, don't we? When Samuel Chadwick, the principal of Cliff College, the Wesleyan College, when it was in fire for God, used to send out his preachers. He used to say, boys, preach for a resurrection. And he says, if you raise a Lazarus, you'll stir the town. What did he mean? He said, you get the toughest old sinner in the town saved, and you'll see revival through your ministry. Thank God for sinners that have been saved. Oh, he's a God that raises the dead. We want to see more of this, don't we? I remember as a young preacher going to the Isle of Man to preach in a Methodist church. The preacher was an evangelical and he asked me to go and preach. And then during the time between I was asked and I accepted to go to preach, they shifted them away to Birmingham. And when I got there, there was a friend of Eric Gallagher's. He was the minister. He smoked like a train. And I said, I'm in trouble. And I said, I've got to preach. And I went into that Methodist pulpit like a whirlwind. And I preached and shouted and condemned the devil and the Pope and modernism and everything I could. I shot with every barrel. I said, I'll never be back, so let fly. And the Sunday school superintendent got saved. And my, when he got saved, there nearly was a riot. And we got people saved. And I remember the last night there was eight or nine people got saved and the old circuit steward walked up to me and he said to me, I've been here 40 years and I never saw anything like this. I said, you go back to your seat. You haven't seen anything yet. Just go back to your seat. And they got saved. And you know what they did after they were saved? They all left the old dead church. Yes. Amen. My, they didn't write up those revival services. There was no mention in the Methodist record about them. No. Oh, let me tell you, friend, God raises the dead. I remember hearing Mr. Nicholson tell about going to Australia to preach. And he went into this pulpit and they robed him. And he walked in with the minister. I'd like to have seen W.P. Nicholson in a robe. I'd like to have seen that. And he said that as they gave out the first psalm, the preacher whispered in his ear, and he said, Mr. Nicholson, we're receiving in nine new members at the Lord's table. So Nicholson shouted in his lug, as he called it. He says, I shouted in his lug, are they saved? Don't talk to me about that. You're not in a Salvation Army Hall or an evangelistic platform. You're in a Presbyterian church. So Nicholson said, I shouted louder. And I said, are you saved? He said, how dare you, Mr. Nicholson, say that to me. I'm a Presbyterian minister. Nicholson says, my boy, when I start preaching, you'll know what you are. A big fat sinner. And he said that when they called him to preach... He took the tip of the gown and he rolled it right over his head and threw it into the choir stall. And he said, that was a good start. 
And then he said, I made up my mind, friends, that I would never sit with an ungodly, unsaved minister. So this fellow's got to go. So he caught the minister and pushed him out. <laughs> Shut the door. And then he said, I knew that if God didn't help me, I was finished. So he said, I preached as I never preached before. And I knew if I hadn't revival, there was going to be a riot at the end of the sermon. And they said, when I finished, I made an appeal. And the minister and the nine people that were to be received and all got saved. My, that's old-fashioned preaching, isn't it? Need a touch of that today. Raising the dead the God I believe in. My, if you preach the gospel and the dead are not raised, there's something wrong with you. But there's nothing wrong with the gospel. Let us mourn. Over fruitless Sabbaths. Let us weep over men that are not saved. They ought to be saved if I preach the way I ought to preach. And then he's the God that answers by fire. I like that. I'd love to have been curate to Elijah. I'd like to have gone around when he disturbed the general assembly of Beal. My, he didn't believe in pickets. He believed in cutting their throats, Jack. He was a real pain. He was indeed. And the whole of the old apostates are there, and there's Elijah. And he said, boys, you build your altar and slay your bullock, but don't put any fire on her. And you cry to your God. And the fools built their altar and put the bullock on it, and they cried, and they shouted, and they whined, and they cut themselves until the blood gushed out. But there was no fire. And Elijah mocked them. He was a mocker of apostasy. And after they had all finished, Elijah came forward, rebuilt the altar of God, laid the bullock on it, said, pour water on it. Then Elijah said, Lord, vindicate your servant. Honor the man that stood up for you. And God sent the fire. The prophets of pride and the priests of desire are calling and cutting in vain. The holding are waiting for witness of fire. And the sound of abundance of rain. Now look over this congregation tonight. I could weep for joy for what the Lord has done, you know. And we were asked to go to Bangor to preach. And the Presbyterians closed us out. But now we're preaching to more people than any of their churches could hold. My, I'm glad God vindicates his people. Stand up for God and he'll bless you. Remember Peter said, what will you do for us if we give up lands and houses and homes? And the Lord said, I'll give you them all back again. Plus persecution. That's to keep you from loving them too much. And then he says, I'll give you glory on the other side. My friend, I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad God sends the sound of abundance of rain. That's the Lord God of Elijah. 